always say every week at Heritage, it's important for you to understand that we believe in the authority of the Word of God. And so as we preach and teach what God says, we come under the authority. If I could visualize it every Sunday, this is what we're doing. We're going under the authority of the Word of God and allowing it to change us so that we can learn what it says and apply it. That's the key. Apply it to your life. And I want to share with you this morning some truths that we find from the Word of God that Jesus shares about himself. And I want you to ask yourself this question, do I believe that? It's important. Let me say this on the outset, and we'll see it throughout the passage, that your theology will dictate your behavior. What you believe will dictate how you behave, okay? And so if you have wrong theology about Jesus, then you're going to have wrong Christian living, and you're not going to be able to understand how God wants you to live. And you're going to be confused on this end because you're confused on this end. And so we got to get the foundation right. We have to truly understand and believe what the Bible says about Jesus. And here in John 5, he takes some time to talk to some religious leaders to explain who he is. And I want to share that with you uh, this morning. John chapter 5, verse 19, you can follow along in your Bible, on your app, or the verse will be on the screen. It says this, verse 19, So Jesus said to them, Truly, 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 I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Verse 21, for as the father raised the dead and gives life, that gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the, Father, the, the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is the word of the Lord for us today, and may we be... Uh, focused on it and receive it with open hearts and minds as we allow it to speak to us. Let's pray. Father, you are good. Bless now in this time of studying your word. May you be honored and glorified. May your word be clear. May it penetrate our hearts. May it reveal to us our condition. And Father, may we respond accordingly as you speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of the message is simply this, from death to life, from death to life. We find this in, in the last part of our passage where it says that he will pass from death uh, to life. And we see uh, here this morning that Jesus takes some time to really walk through uh, some different things that he wants us to understand. If you're taking notes also, or if you want to sort of catch a big idea of the passage, here's the big idea. It should be on the screen here if we have that. It, the big idea is this. It says, I am set free and transformed when I fully believe the words of Jesus. Now, don't miss that. I am set free and transformed when I fully believe the words of Jesus. When you understand who Jesus is and you believe in who he says he is, it will set you free in some areas of your life and will transform your life completely. Now, that is not, I say that without trying to be hyperbolic here. 
I'm not trying to be sensational. I'm not trying to sell you a timeshare. I'm simply, if you sell timeshares, that's fine. I'm sorry, I said that, all right? I was on the plane yesterday, forgive me, okay? Um, But I'm not trying to sell you a bill of goods. I'm not a preacher who's just trying to sell you on Jesus. I'm trying to say this in a very rational, clear way to help you understand the magnitude of having a clear understanding of who Jesus is because when you do, when you fully understand it and believe it, you will be set free and transformed. And I don't know about you, but I want to be set free in my life, and I want to be transformed. I don't want to wake up every day the same person I was the day before. And I don't have the power to transform me, and sometimes I don't have the power to set myself free. And so because I don't have the power to set myself free, I don't have the power to transform myself, I am stuck, I am chained, I am locked down because of who I am and my sinfulness, I need something or someone else to transform me and set me free. And I say to you again that you and I are set free and transformed. When? When I, we, fully believe the words of Jesus. Three times in John chapter 5, And two times, specifically in this passage, Jesus makes extreme relationships, uh, 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 statements about his relationships with his father. Extreme, blasphemous statements that he makes about his relationship to God. And he not only makes the statements, but he overemphasizes the truth of those statements. He doubles down on the fact that he knows he's making an extreme statement about himself. And then he goes and doubles down and says, I know what I said, and I want to confirm it even more what I said. How do we know that? We see in the first part of verse 19, it says this, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is not repeating himself. He's emphasizing himself. See, the word truly means this. It means amen. It means indeed. It says it means of a certainty. It means literally it is true. It is true. And what Jesus is saying here is this in verse 19. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm about to say some things and those things are true. And then he says, oh, by the way, and they're true. Truly, truly, it is true, it is true, amen. Part of the reason why we say amen when uh, something is being uh, sung or taught is because what you're saying is, it is true. You could say that instead of saying amen, that'd be the same thing, right? It is true, or you could say the, you know, the Greek word, which I can't pronounce here, but you know, that's okay, right? Amen, it is true. So if you shout it out, it is true, right? If I say, I'm gonna be done here in five minutes, it is true. <laughs> Don't say amen to that one. <laughs> I was a trick, I got you. All right. But what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying, let me tell you something that's true. Let me tell you something that's emphatically, absolutely true. And he makes sure that we understand the emphasis that he's placing. See, the words Jesus declares must be understood, addressed, and accepted. Because what Jesus says provides freedom and transformation. So because he makes these statements, now we are accountable for how we're going to handle these statements and how we're going to believe these statements. We can't ignore what Jesus says here because when we ignore it, then we miss the opportunity to be transformed and set free by it. In other words, you cannot form your own opinion about Jesus. What he's giving you in this passage is what needs to be your opinion about him. He's saying, let me tell you what's true about me 
so that whatever opinion you have about me will be erased by the absolute true statements that I'm about to say about myself. And so the question is, as Jesus speaks to these religious leaders, then what truths are revealed in the words that he says? And we see that Jesus declares four clear and connecting truths. It's important that you understand this. In the passage that we read here, there are four different times where the word for, F-O-R, is used. And when you translate that word in Greek, the word for means because, because. So it's referencing back. And so Jesus says, because this is true, this is true because this is true. And this is true because this is true. And this is true because this is true. And he makes four clear statements so that by the end of those statements, you can connect them. And you say, okay, if that's true, well, then this must be true. If this is true, then this must be true. If this true is true, then he reveals the final, ha ha, this must be true. And it's from that sort of deducing that you get to the right opinion about Jesus Christ, okay? So let's follow along here and let's see. I am set free and transformed when I believe, number one, here's the first truth, Jesus alone is equal with God. Jesus alone is equal with God. We see in verse number 19, It says this, it says, so Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does, the son does likewise. So Jesus is addressing here an accusation that was brought up in verse 18. Okay. So in the verse before the, the Pharisees, the disciples or the, uh, the, the Jews, the religious people, they went, I can't believe what he's saying. He's making himself equal with God. And he goes, yeah, yeah, no, that's right, I am. And let me tell you why I'm equal with God. And he addresses it and he says, in, 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 well, look at verse 18. It's not on the screen, but I'll read it to you. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And Jesus says, yep, you're right, you got me. Guilty. And let me tell you why I'm equal with God. I want you to see in verse 19 that Jesus is submissive to his father in their relational position. Don't miss this. Verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord. Wait, is Jesus limited? No, he's submissive. He's positionally submissive. Because if you have a father-son relationship, the son is not equal to the father. Not equal to the Father. I'm not saying that Jesus is, doesn't have equal power and equal ability, but we see a relational positioning here by Jesus. He can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father do. As the Son of God, he submits to the Father's will. So Jesus Christ is acting, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Okay? All three of them are God, all equal in their ability, but submissive to each other in their position. The father is the head. The son submits to the father. It's very much like your relationship. If you have a son, if my son walked in, if I, if I went home today and I told my son, hey, son, go take out the trash, and he looked at me and said, you take out the trash. This is where I'm, I'm going to lean upon the grace of God growing in my life <laughs> and I'll, I'll say something very spiritual and probably quote some scripture or something like that and no 
I'll say, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me, right? And why? It's not be, because he's my son. I'm the father. So it's not that he doesn't have the same desires, abilities, feelings as me, but our relational position puts one over the other. So Jesus is doing it. Why? As the son of God, he submits to his father's will. Uh, Matthew 26 says this, and I'll read it to you. It says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father. Notice he references that relationship. My father, if it be possible, this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, what he said, not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus, even though he was the son of God, he never forgot his, uh, even though he was God in the flesh, he never forgot his positional relationship with God. He always was submitting, always was humbling himself before the father. So that, that helps you understand that if there is somebody out there that claims to be like a deity and they say they're equal with God, that, that shows that they are preaching a false teaching because even Jesus himself, though he was equal, submitted. Okay. Why? He understood his relational position. Can I say this to you this morning? Not submitting to God is evidence of forgetting our position with God. What was that? When we do not submit to God as believers in Christ, what we are evidencing is our, that we have forgotten who we are. It's like when God says, go take out the trash, and we look back and say, you take the trash out. And we would be flabbergasted. I'm glad I could use that word today. <laughs> flabbergasted if my son looked at me and said, Dad, you take out the trash. But how many times does God clearly speak to us in his word? And he says, you are a son of God. You are a child of God. You are a daughter of God. I am your father. And in our relational position, you submit to me. I don't submit to you. And oftentimes when we find ourselves in rebellion to God and walking away from God and trying to do our own thing is simply because we have forgotten who we are. That we are the children of God. I just want to say, 1 John uh, 3 and verse 1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God? And yet we live our lives in this unsubmissive, authoritative way because we forget that it's only by the grace of God that we are the children of God. And so if my father wants me to do something, who am I to talk back to him? Who am I to tell him he's wrong? Who am I to tell him he's not right? As Jesus submits to the father's will, we ought to submit to the father's will. So here's a question though, but why is Jesus submissive? Okay, so Jesus is equal with God. He's submissive to the fathers in a relational uh, position. But the reason why he's submissive is because Jesus is united in his actions with the father. Look at the rest of verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Here's the last part. For whatever the father does, that the son can do likewise. The word likewise translated in the same way. It's not like Jesus does something because he's empowered by his father. He can do everything his father can do. And because he is submissive to the father's will, he is therefore going to do what the father says. Okay? 
though he is equal with the Father, so that whatever the Father tells him to do, he has the divine ability to actually do it. Like if the Father says, go to the world and save them from their sins, Jesus says, I can do that. Because I am submissive to my Father's will, but I'm also equal in my divine ability. I do what the Father can do. Now the question is this, why is Jesus Jesus submissive and unified in his Father's will? We have to see this connection. It's important for us to understand this. So Jesus alone is equal with God, which means he is submissive to his Father's will. He is unified in accomplishing his Father's will, but why? Look at verse number 20. Verse number 20, it says this. It starts out with the word for. See that there? Okay, see it right there? For, okay? Up there. I'm looking here, you're looking there. All right, we're all on the same word. <laughs> Somebody didn't know there's a screen back there, right? It's, it, it's a mirror that can see everything that's on your phone right now. I can look and see. <laughs> Person just jumped on Instagram right there, all right? Okay. No, I'm just joking, I can't see that. That'd be cool though, if we could do that. Um, for, now here's what he says. Verse 19 connects to verse 20. Can we preach the Bible this morning? Can we go verse by verse, okay? So, so verse 19 connects to verse 20. I am equal with God for, translate the word for with the word because. Why is Jesus willing to do his father's will? Because, verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. So truth number one, Jesus is equal with God. But number two, Jesus alone knows the full plan of God. So Jesus does the Father's will because he knows alone the Father's plan. How do we know that? Verse 20, go back to verse 20. Because the Father himself loves him and the expression of his love is that he shows him all the things that he is doing. So Jesus and God are in the same place and the only person who is equal with God, that's why we put the word alone in there, in the, in the, in the points. Jesus alone. There is no other human There is no other person in this world that has been or ever will be who is equal with God. Nobody. I didn't just say that. Jesus is saying that. He's saying you have the wrong opinion about me. If you think that there is someone else in this world that is elevated to a divine position, a man or a woman or a person or a religious leader, you're wrong because I alone am equal with God. Why? Because I am the only one who knows the plan of God because my Father reveals it to me fully. So here's the two truths so far. Jesus is equal with God. Jesus alone knows the plan of God for the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he is doing and greater works than these will he show him. So now Jesus is saying, listen, you know why I healed that man at the pool of Bethesda, you know why I fed the 5,000? Because I know God's plan and I know that God wanted me to do that. My father and I are on the same page. I submit to him. And so I'm doing this on the authority of my father. And he says this in the last part, verse number 20. Go back to that. We can't miss this part. He says, and greater works than these. Greater works than like feeding 5,000 and like you know, healing a paralyzed man. And I mean, those are pretty cool. You know, I take that level. You know what I'm saying? Like if I mean, Hey, if I had a superpower, I mean, I I take that. I'd be fine with that. But he said, yeah, you know, I fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Nothing compared to what I'm going to do. He says greater works than these will you do. Why? What's the reason? So that you may marvel. 
I'm already marveling at the fact that he healed somebody like who was paralyzed, right? It's like, it's like when, I, when I, I, you know, we take, like my boys, you know, we grow up and they go to amusement park, right? And you tell them about a place, like you tell them about, like we went, one time we went to Universal Studios, you know, and they've never been there, so they don't know. So they don't know. They think it's like Chuck E. Cheese, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> like their level of marveling is like when they walk into Chuck E. Cheese, they're like, wow, Chuck E. Cheese, right? And like, no, they might say sometimes like, dad, is it like Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> son, son, come on now. You got to raise your level of, of expectations here, right? <laughs> we just took our boys the other day. Uh, we took a trip a couple weeks ago to New York City. First time we ever went there. And we survived, praise God. And uh, it was great. And I'm telling I tried to explain to them, like, what New York was like. And it's, it, you can't explain it. It, it. There's no city like it. I can't, it's like, it's not like Washington, D.C. That's a great city, but it's not like, New York is unique. And we went down to New York, man, and we were like just having the greatest time. One of the greatest things I love about New York are all the little streetcar uh, food places, right? I could like go every corner and just hit one. Like, I'll take a chicken on a stick, man. I'll take a hot dog. I'll take a, give me some of this. I'll take it all. One night, we were so thrilled by the little carts. We literally had dinner. I went down and spent $35 at some guy's cart and took it back to the hotel and we had pretzel hot dog chicken on a stick and who knows a Gatorade for dinner it was just great it's New York man wait you can't get that anywhere else in the world my boys were just thrilled by that right and what Jesus is saying to you is this he's saying to you I've done some things that are sort of like your neighborhood but I'm going to show you some things that are like New York whoa what so here's the question now the question would be this why will we marvel at the greater works? What is so great about what he's going to do that will cause us to marvel even more? And that's where he reveals the third truth about himself. Jesus equals God. Jesus alone knows the plan of God, so much so that he knows the greater works, and he tells us you're going to marvel. Why? Because he's trying to draw you in this morning. He's trying to show you his greatness so why would we marvel? What are these greater works that he's going to do? And believe it or not, in verse 21, he tells us. He says, for as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. We're talking about raising the dead now? Whoa, I thought, listen, I thought only God was the giver of life and death. What truth is Jesus trying to reveal here? If he says, we're going to do greater works, you're going to marvel. What are those greater works? Just like the Father raises the dead, that God is the giver and taker of life. It is appointed unto man by God once to die. God is the only one who controls the next breath you breathe. And if he wants you to stop breathing, that he, he, he controls that. And so what we see, the third truth is this, is that Jesus alone is given what belongs to God. And if you find in the New Old Testament, even the Old Testament prophets and, and scholars and Jewish people would say, the only one that gives life is God. So when Jesus is declaring this, he's taking it to a whole nother level about himself. I'm equal with God. I know the plan of God, and I possess things that only God possesses. And these are the greater works. And he goes on now. 
And he says in verse number 21 and 22, he says this, go to verse 22. He says, I, I'm going to do a greater work. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do two things. I'm going to give life to who I will. I'm gonna raise the dead if I wanna raise the dead. Spiritually, physically, whatever. That's an attribute that belongs to God. Here's the second one though. He says, for the father judges no one. Go back to 21 if you would, Larry. I missed that last part. It says this. Go to 22. All right, I got it. No, I was better. I was better. I'm on it. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. If there are two things that I thought that belonged to God was he's the giver of life and death and he is the judge. And Jesus declares in this statement that the truth that you need to understand about me is that I am the one who gives life and I am the one who gives death and I am the one who judges. I'm the only judge. I possess things that only belong to God. Can I say to you this morning that some of you may struggle with judgment? Some of you may allow other people to judge you and you're affected by that. Can I give you some theological context to that? And this is really important. If Jesus Christ is the only judge and you allow human beings to judge you, what you're literally doing, I'm not making this up, you are literally replacing God with that human being. Because if he's the only judge, then if your girlfriend judges you and you think, oh, I have to live my life to her standards, and I have to act and be the way they want me to, or else they're gonna judge me, and I care more about what they think because they're my judge, you have literally kicked God out of the throne and put that person in your life as the God of your life. That's how serious it is. Jesus establishing some things here. Can I tell you this? The only one that can judge you is God. The opinions of other people do not matter. They don't. I don't mind opinions. I like hearing people's opinions. You know? If I don't look nice, my wife says, you don't look nice, go change. I, I appreciate that opinion, right? The other day, I was so proud of myself. My wife is so fashionable. I am not. And I, I, she's getting ready. And I walked out. I had this jacket on, but I had like another shirt on underneath it. I walked out. I was like, I just did this. I, this is what we do. I, I went. And she's like, no. <laughs> no. And I'm like, what? I thought that was good. I thought it was good. She's like, no. No. She's very sweet about it, right? Let's try to teach me. I care about people's opinions, but here's the thing. The only one that's going to judge that I need to worry about is, is the Lord. Because, listen, I'm not going to stand before you to give an account of what happens here at Heritage. I'm going to stand before the Lord. And in that understanding, I have to do what pleases him, not what pleases everybody. And we may do some things that don't please you, but if it pleases him, he's the judge. And so we stand before him in good conscience and good faith believing. But understand this. He's saying this. Jesus alone is given what belongs to God. He's the life giver. He's the judge. Now, here's the question. Why is Jesus the only judge? Why would God the Father give to Jesus things that only belong to him? Before we get to the last point, let me, let me just rewind here real quick. So here's the, here's the truth. Ready? Okay. Here's the opinion Jesus wants you to have about him. You need to, when you think about Jesus, you need, you need to understand he is equal with God. He alone is equal with God. 
There's no other deity, no other person, no other man. Jesus alone is equal with God. Jesus alone knows the full plan of God. Why? Because Jesus alone is, uh, Jesus alone uh, has attributes that belong to God. Why, why, why does Jesus alone have attributes to judge and give life? Here's, here's the point number four. You know why? Here it is. Wrap it up. Because Jesus alone is God. Yeah, come on. Jesus alone is God. Do we have that on the screen? There it is. Boom. These guys are great. Jesus alone is God. Jesus takes these verses and he walks through and he connects them all. And he says, I need you to get to the understanding that I am God. I am not just a good moral teacher. I am not just a deity on the shelf of other deities. I am not just a good moral uh, person. I'm not a prophet. He's declaring. And what does he say? How does he start out? Truly, truly. It is true. It is true. I am equal with God. I know the plan of God. I have attributes that belong to God. Why? Why, Jesus? Why? Because I am God. And when you form the right opinion about Jesus, then it helps to bring clarity in the way that you live. If he is God and we are his sons, then we will submit to him. We're not going to submit to him because some pastor gets up and makes you feel guilty. That's shallow. That goes nowhere. That's not growth. And I can make you feel guilty today. I could. I can make you feel real bad. And you would go home and you'd feel real bad. But, but that's not Christianity. We behave because of what we believe. And if you will come to the place where you will say, Jesus alone is God. It'll change the way you live. Why? How do we know that? Look at the last verse. Verse 23 says this, that all may honor the son. Look at it says, just as they honor the father. That we would praise and glorify Jesus in the same level that we praise and glorify Jehovah. And when these Jewish leaders heard this, you mean you want us to honor you the way that we honor Yahweh? Truly, truly. And he declares this, and he says this. Now, here's, here, ready? Here it goes. Ready? You say, that's great. Man, I, I'm not sure if I believe that. I'm not sure if that's my opinion about Jesus. Don't miss the last verses. What's he say? He transitions. This is who I am. This is what's true about me. This is the opinion you need to have. Why? Because whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent me. Go to that last verse, 24. And then he says this. Then he says again, here it is. He says, let me give you another true statement. That if you don't fully believe this, if you don't fully believe this, here's what's going to happen. Truly, truly. He says, truly, truly, verse 19, here's what's true about me. Don't miss this. I'm done. I appreciate the extra time. Don't miss this. Truly, truly, verse 19, here's what's true about me. Verse 24, truly, truly, here's what could be true about you. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does, watch this now. He does not 
come into judgment. You know why? Because he's set free from it. There's no need to judge someone who believes in the only judge. There's no need to judge someone who will act on behalf of God to pay for the sins of all the world. Because when you believe on Jesus, then you are believing that he is the one that took your place. He paid your penalty. He was the one that stood up in court when they said to you, you are guilty on all charges. And Jesus stood up and said, hey, listen, judge, I know he's guilty and I'm innocent, but I'll pay his penalty. I'll judge. Don't judge him. Judge me instead. And when you believe that, you are free from judgment. You are free from the eternal damnation that is to come for those who do not believe in Christ, for those who have sinned against God. You are set free from that. And he says this, he will not, he does not come into judgment, right here it is, but has passed from death to life. Can we go back, go, Larry, go back to that, that big idea, big idea, slide. I am set free, free from judgment, and I'm transformed from life to death, from death to life. You know what I meant. Sorry. When I fully believe the words of Jesus. This is why, this is why your opinion of Jesus really matters. You have to fully believe who Jesus says he is. Why? It will set you free. It'll set you free from feeling judged. It'll set you free from feeling guilty. It'll set you free from the pressures of religion. It'll set you free from trying to work your way to heaven. It'll set you free from trying to live up to some standard. It'll set you free from the guilt that you feel for your mistakes that you have made. It'll set you free and it will transform you. And now you won't be dead in your sins. You will have, as the Bible says in John 10, 10, life and life more abundantly. You will not live this mediocre rat race. You will be quickened and made alive in Christ. This is why on Sunday morning we raise our hand and go, Woo, yes, he's a way maker. Why? Because without him, if he wasn't God, if he wasn't the judge, if he didn't know the plan of God, I would be dead in my sins on my way to judgment. But because he is who he has declared, when I believe that, I'm not judged. I'm set free, and I'm passed from death to life. And my question is this. What do you believe about Jesus? Have you formed an opinion about him, and maybe opinion about a few other things? Or were, today, will you fully believe, Jesus, this is who you are? I didn't say it about him. He said it about himself. I want to invite you this morning. I want to invite you to have a change of mind about the one that we worship, the one who is God, and allow him to begin to transform you and to set you free. That's why he came, because of who he is. He is God. We declare it, we believe it, and we live it out in our life. Because when you believe that he is God and we want to honor him and submit to him, that'll change your marriage. If you go into your marriage trying to honor Jesus and submit to what he says, well, he says, husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church, 
That's unconditional love. There's all kinds of things that now when you look at the Bible and you say, well, if he is God and I submit to him and I follow him and I'm transformed by him, all of a sudden in your everyday life, you will see yourself being transformed and free from sin, free from guilt. When you submit to his authority, when you, when you are bound by the sins in your life, if you're a man in here and you're bound by things that you look at, Jesus can set you free from that. But you have to believe in who he is. He's not just a way to a better life. He is the God that we submit to. And my heart and prayer is that you would understand what he's telling you he is. And that you would submit to him. That we wouldn't live our lives making emotional, irrational, just whatever happens type of things but that we would say you are God and just as you submitted to your father I submit to you and may in my submission to you may you transform me may you set me free and may you grow the love and the respect and the honor that I have because now I have a clear view of who you are can we pray together father you are so 